Adoption and expensive, two words that do not always belong together. There are 120,000 children in the United States that are waiting for a forever family, and adopting through this option is extremely affordable. I'm Marcy Bursack, an adoptive mom of a sibling pair, and also the author of The Forgotten Adoption Option. Twice monthly, I will interview people like adoptive parents and adopted children who've been touched by foster care adoption. My goal is to find more forever families and increase awareness about foster care adoption. Because if it were you or me, we would want someone to do this for us. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. Today I'm going to interview an adoptive mom who is also one of my adoptive parenting mentors. Hi, Alice. Hi, how are you? So glad to have you on here. This is so exciting. Alice and I first met when one of the boys my husband and I were providing respite for was dropped off at Children's Church. We were dropping him off, and Alice was also dropping off children, and she recognized the boy we were caring for and greeted him by name, which was kind of a surprise to us because we're from different cities. And then a few days later, my husband and I attended an advanced foster care training for older children and in walked Alice. And then also in the same room was the now adoptive parents of the two boys we cared for. And so it was quite a beautiful experience to be able to see Alice again and to introduce her to the parents of the boy she knew. Alice is such a special person to me. She also endorsed my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option. And you can find her quote on the back cover. I think what she says gives you a glimpse of her heart. She writes about foster care adoption. Your heart, your mind, and soul have to be open enough to explore through the eyes of children to see the very dim light that sees past all the trauma and embraces the other side, which is happiness, safety, love, and understanding. Alice, I'm so excited for our listeners to meet you tonight or today, or whenever they're listening. So let's, let's start because you have such an interesting story and we'll get in because you're, you're a single mom, which I think is super cool. So that I know there's going to be listeners out there that are like, Oh, wait, I thought you'd be married to do this. You don't. So we're going to dispel some of that stuff. But Alice, let's start. What motivated you to foster children? Okay. I kind of really just fell into it back in our days. It takes a village to raise a child, a child. So you know, everybody helped. I felt like I should have been a foster child. So, but teachers, principals, the neighborhood, they all helped my mom out. So I didn't go to foster care. So it's really on my heart early on to do it. And I wanted a son. So I figured I would probably adopt out the foster care system. So that was the motivation. And it really just fell into my lap, really. <laughs> Because you knew how someone, a lot of someone's did for you what you wanted to do for kids. That's beautiful. And I know you've adopted. So how many children have you adopted? And can you share how exactly that came to be? Okay. I adopted actually my first set of uh, sibling groups, which were two girls. They were my first foster children and I ended up adopting them. So it was really pretty easy. My first set and I got to keep them. So. <laughs> And how old were they when you met? Um, two and three. And now they're one is turning 18 tomorrow. And the other one is 18 already. Wow. I was talking to a friend, another adoptive mom recently. And she said, you know, Marcy, 
I really want to make sure people know that the goal of foster care is to reunify kids with their biological families. And I'm like, you're right. But that only happens 50% of the time. 50% of the time, what happened to you is what happened to Alice is where kiddos needed a temporary home and then ended up needing a forever home. So I'm so glad that you got to be your girl's forever home. It's awesome. So Alice, we crossed paths at church when you recognize one of the boys we had brought to church that we were providing respite for. And something that really has always stuck out to me, Alice, is you said hi in a way that didn't make anyone feel awkward. Like it didn't, it didn't make him feel like I'm with an, an okay, here we go. So it was an African-American boy and I'm white and, and, and you're African-American. And there was nothing that you did that made it feel awkward that he might be with people that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. or that he might be with people that might not be his, if you will, family. And so I'm, I'm curious, can you talk about, because you're, you're so good at this, Alice, how are you aware of helping yourself and helping others just kind of blend in and not causing attention to difference? Okay, well, it usually goes by the child and their ages. So I'm pretty versatile. So I've been fostering and adopting from, I guess, two all the way up to, I think my oldest might have been, 16 or 17 so I'm very diverse so it depends on the child the situation we're in so I just happened to know him and I knew what he liked and I'm like oh who are your friends so that's something he can relate to friends and your friends don't have no color in children's eyes there's no color and so that's how I was easily able to break to him and I told him I had some friends already in there and so that's kind of how he relates so I, yeah. I just happen to know that child. So, but I would approach it the same way with any child. And I love the way you did that too, because he had never been to that church before. And and you let him know that there were people you already knew in the room. And so it just, it brought a level of comfort that consciously or not, Alice, it, it's such a gift that you bring to help people feel welcomed and included. And another thing that Alice has been to my husband and me is she's the person that I can call or text with the most random of things, the most scary of things, the most frustrating of things, the I'm at my wit's end. Alice has been a lifeline so many times. And um, she's also a very humbling, humbled person. And so you will not hear her tout that herself. But I, I was hoping that Alice would give our listeners a gift, a gift of if we, if Alice had three fortune cookies for others to know they can adopt through foster care. What would Alice put on those three notes? Oh, that's kind of tough. What would put on three notes to adopt? Well, one, I'll be make sure it's what you want to do and make sure you're sure what type of child you want to adopt, young, older, because it all makes a difference and everything plays a different part. The, The journey will be different for each child. So I'll say, Pick your child that you want. There's nothing wrong with that. Picking the child that you want and that fits into your family. So that'll be on my first fortune cookie. Child that you want and fits into your family. Secondly, will be know your strengths and weaknesses. Because again, every child is different. Know what you were put up with and you wouldn't put up with. Because all the kids are traumatized or have been through some type of trauma. So that'll be the second thing I'll put on my fortune cookie. And the third thing will be Make your own family. You you are getting to pick your child. They're picking you. Make your own family. It could be whatever you want it to be. 
Those are good. Alice, if we ate those cookies, I'm going to kind of go back over them. So the first one was kind of being able to pick. What did you pick when you signed up? Well, I picked the boys, <laughs> but that wasn't <laughs> in God's plan at first. So I got girls, but then eventually I ended up with a boy because I'm a guardianship of a boy now, which he already told me I would get in this identical to what he told me I would get. <laughs> so Amazing. Did you have a number of kids you were willing to accept? No, I didn't. Not at first. Uh, it's kind of just going with the floor thing. I've been doing this for like 16 years now, fostering. And I adopted two and have guardianship of one. And um, I'll be doing it until God allows me not to do it again anymore, any longer. Which is why I feel like Nathan and I really lucked out meeting you, Alice, because you have so much experience and you've, you've seen literally probably everything because everything we've ever asked you, you have some sort of, oh, this has worked for me or this hasn't. And it's always been so encouraging. Yeah, thanks. But yes, I do. <laughs> Most people think my tactics are uh, a little weird, but they work. And they, are- they do work. Yeah. It's a different style of parenting. And yes. I think it's good. It's good. So the second thing you said was knowing your strengths and weaknesses. What did you know about your strengths and weaknesses and how did that play into you being a mom? Well, uh, like you say, I'm a single parent. So the first like five years was a learning experience. What will work trial and error, basically. So that was like the first five years. And then I got my structure going on, what I need to work with, type of kids I decided to work with, which was mostly behavior and specialized kids. So kids that had a lot of trauma and I wanted boys because boys are leaving this earth faster than than any other to me. And so I figured I can help them because I relate a little better. And so um, that's the path I went with was those boys that had the most trauma that nobody wanted the older kids. And that's, that's what I've been sticking with since then. I love that. Yeah. My husband and I went with siblings thinking similar that I wonder how many people do this and you did siblings too. And so it's, it's really cool to hear how you saw a great need and thought, well, I'll do that. Like let's sign up for the things that don't get signed up for. Yes. And the third thing you said was know your family. How has that helped you? Well, it helped me because I got to pick my family. I didn't feel like I had a close knit family, a biological family. So I figured I will make my own family. And so that's how I pick my children, you know. Um, you really don't get to pick them in foster care to me. I feel it's God gifting them to you. So whoever comes to your home, because you don't take every one of them, you know, you get the little phone call, you say yay or nay, and then you get to pick basically. And so that's how it happens. And then I created my own family, you know. So I have uh, African-American children. I have mixed children. And I just took them all in. It didn't matter to me. And I created my own little family. And some of my foster, most of my foster children, about probably 30 of them, reunited with family. And then they call me and, hey, Miss Alice, you know, they just call me. And it's a great feeling that they call you and you implanted something or planted a seed in their life that they still use. And they're still with their families. So, you know, I take pride in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you're, you're a friend to them. You're like an extension of their family. That's so beautiful. Alice, you said that you've got 30 kids that have reunified with their biological families that you fostered. How many total kids have you fostered? Uh, I stopped counting at like 50 something. (laughs) That's been in and out in 16 years. Wow. That is a lot of hearts that you have touched. Yes. 
Absolutely amazing. So I, I, I bet there's someone listening because I, I can just sense that this is there thinking you just said you can say yay or nay. And I know Nathan and I were similar. Um, we at one point, I don't know what's like if this is a thing in every state, but we had a two page double sided checklist of characteristics that we were asked to fill out by our licensing worker of are you willing to accept? Are you willing to discuss? Are you absolutely not? And so our criteria, we said no to um, a pregnant child just because we felt like that was a little bit too old for what we were thinking mm-hmm. um, or a lot of complexity because it could have been a younger person too. So we just, we didn't feel like that was what we were called to. And then we also ruled out animal harm, but we were very, very um, graceful in that. We just, if there was like a repetitive past history of, an, of a child harming an animal, we have two dogs and they were our first babies and we didn't want to get our baby hurt. So those for us were the two things that were kind of our, our nay list. And I'm curious, Alice, what was on your nay list? Well, my nay list was um, sexual trauma. I couldn't do with that. My heart cannot take it. Um, And then like very destructive, if they were very destructive, those were my two Oh, and I know I didn't have one more big one. You know, when you do adoption and fostering, um, they tell you you cannot change the child's uh, religion preference or if their parent had one. So I didn't, I won't say I didn't take children that wasn't Christian or their family wasn't Christian because most of them coming in don't do church anyway. Um, but I didn't take anyone. It was hardcore on not with my beliefs because I a, lot a of- certain way of raising, you know, kids to my Christian belief, so I didn't take if that was like uh, of another religion, but they was diehard and their parents wouldn't let them, so uh, that was the first question I would ask. Mm, which makes sense, right? Because in your lifestyle, if you're already attending a church mm-hmm. that's Christian and they haven't done that and that's something that's part of your lifestyle, it's kind of hard to not bring a child with you where you're going. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Um, just in case listeners are wondering, other things I remember being qualities and characteristics, because you people might already have things that come to mind, but things I remember were like um, special needs related to like medical um, conditions, also related to like blindness or being deaf. Um, and Alice touched on uh, like sexual abuse, different kinds of trauma, uh, learning disabilities. So there's there's really the gamut. Um, and I, I don't know that every profile of a child, because we were more interested in the adoption routes. We saw a lot of profiles. Um, but I don't know that every one of them called that out. So sometimes we had to like ask questions. And I will say one thing that Nathan and I said nay to was we had just gotten licensed. So we got licensed to adopt and never signed our foster care license. Because at the time, that's how things went. And that's what we wanted to do was adopt. And as soon as you go through all, you have to go through the foster care training before you go through the adoption training. So you technically can foster. And I remember as soon as we finished our foster care license, because there's such a great need, we got a phone call and it was two sisters that had just been pulled out of a home. Um, they, they were um, not safe there. And it was like a four and a 14 year old. And I wanted to jump in so bad because I'm like, these girls need us. Like we have two beds there. They, they need something like they need a family. We have two beds. We have two beds. And I remember calling my husband and it was like such a heart swallowing moment. Like I felt like just so much inside of me didn't know what to do when he did this. His response was Marcy, we can't do it. And I thought, well, wait, (laughs) they need us, right? Like there's a great need. And his words were Marcy, 
we have two beds for kids that we're intending to be with forever. And while these girls may need a forever home, right now we know they need a temporary home. And if we allow them to stay with us temporarily, we could potentially miss the opportunity to care for our kids who will be ours forever. And it was such a hard moment because I wanted to help. The girls did get placed somewhere else rather quickly. Um, but I just want listeners to know that because if you're going to get licensed to adopt through foster care, there is this time where you can technically foster children if that wasn't even your intention. And I said no. And if you want to say no, you can. And it sometimes hurts your heart, <laughs> but you can. So I just want to let people know kind of the inside scoop. Yeah. And we also got to do what's best for the children, too. So I would have agreed with Nathan. It would have been taking up room for what you needed, which were your two kids you have now. I know, Alice, but it was so hard at the it's moment. Very right? hard like, That's in the like moment. our neighbor or a kid. Like, that's just how do you say no to a puppy? You know, it's like all those sweet yeah. things. It was so hard. It's so hard. But yeah, I, I'm glad that he'll be glad to hear that you affirmed <laughs> <laughs> how he evaluated that. So, Alice, I want to touch more on you being a single mom because you, you're not only a single mom, you've done this for over a decade, you've raised multiple children, but one thing I also know about you is you're constantly learning because you've been in class. I mentioned that we saw you in a class and then Nathan saw you in a different class. Like you're just constantly learning. Can you talk about how you make time to become a it's better It's called parent? a support system. <laughs> So I'm a single parent, <laughs> but I have a sister that helps a lot. Thank God for her. And then I have great, great friends that help. And then there's also like um, foster and adoption support groups. I got close with a couple of those ladies and they are wonderful. High shady tree people. <laughs> but yes, we um, get out and do self-care. So we get together and do self-care, even if it's just getting dinner. Most of us are single. <laughs> Get dinner. Um, but I want to uh, say that self-care is very, very, very important when you're going through this. As a foster, adoptive parent, even when you adopt, you still need that time to yourself away from the kids or they'll drive you crazy. <laughs> and that's just the truth. <laughs> I fully agree. Yeah. What What are some examples, Alice, of things that you, as you mentioned dinner, what are a couple other things that you do for self-care? Well, I'm just blessed enough to travel a lot and I love to get out the country. So I set um, certain times of the year, at least two or three times a year where all my kids are set up to go to different places and I get out the country. I regroup, relax, because I just cannot do it here. I cannot do it the way I need to do it. Or I will burn myself out or the kids will drive me crazy. You know, so I, I do it every year at the same time of the year. So nothing changes. And I also have a daycare. So, you know, that's more children on top of children. So then I go on staycation sometimes here <laughs> in St. Louis. But that's pretty much it. Um, in my home, I have boundaries and borderlines. Like the kids cannot go past my threshold of my bedroom. They can't come down my hallway. That's my sanctuary. So that's another way I escape. So you really have boundaries on, on your physical space. Yes. That's really smart. <laughs> so I went from being a mom of zero to a mom of two. So I don't know what it's like to have one kid. I don't know what it's like to have a baby or even to change diapers. My, my husband likes to say that our kids can potty train. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, they're housebroken. Um, but one thing that he has pointed out that I'll just be vulnerable and share with our listeners in case you're out there and you're without children and you're hearing Alice say, 
the kids might drive you crazy. I remember before we had kids, somebody, some, I don't know, some friend that was a mom had mentioned something about going crazy around her kids. And Nathan likes to point out that my response was, oh, I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine ever being just at my wit's end with our children. And, you know, now that I've been doing this, <laughs> I've had those moments. And he's like, don't you understand her pain now? And I'm like, yes, I do. I do. And I'm a better mom when I do self-care. And for me, self-care, like I love, I, I only wash my hair once a week. I use dry shampoo and love it. My sister turned me on to it. When I do wash my hair weekly, I put a little candle in the bathroom and I turn off the lights. So, and then I turn on some spa music. So for me, it's like my little pretend sauna relaxation place to take a shower in peace. And I also like to read. So those are a couple yeah. things. A lot, of, a lot of people do different things. I got some friends that eat cereal in the bathroom because that's the only place they can get away from the children. But the whole goal for self mm-hmm. is to escape the children. Any means necessary. I don't care if you have to hide under your bed. Just do it. <laughs> right. Well, and you having boundaries around your bedroom is so smart because then you can really define that. My kids have to ask permission to come in my bedroom. So it's the same idea because we were trying to say this is a peaceful room. Like there's no arguing in this room. Don't come in here to argue. Um, but so good, Atlas. <laughs> So Alice, this is a little bit of a beefier question, but I think it's important to touch on. I've heard people say that foster care has a negative stigma, like a bad reputation. People kind of only know the the bad stories in it, whether it's these negative stories about foster parents or just the kinds of trauma kids have to go through. And I'd love your help combating that. So I'm wondering if you could point out a couple of positive things that people often overlook about the foster care system. Well, what they usually overlook is the children themselves. They didn't Mm -hmm. get there. They didn't choose to be there. It's just their situation. So if you look at it from the kids' point of view, they only want to be loved. They only want to be structured. They only want to be safe. And yes, even if you adopt them, they're still going to think about their biological parents. And it's just up to you to make it a safe place for them to talk to you about. I mean, not every day, not every hour but leave it open-ended where they can discuss if they need to because they would have to get those feelings out in order to blend in with your family the one they're creating so you got to remember it's a loss for them everything is a loss they're getting snatched out from their home and thrown into a stranger's home and it's up to us as adoptive or foster parents to create a safe environment and a happy place no matter what that looks like like they are going to have meltdowns they probably cuss you out, but they're not doing it out of like hating you or anything like that. They're doing it out of being scared. They're doing it out of reaction. You know, we don't know what happened to them. And it takes us a while to figure out what happened to them. Sometimes years, sometimes months. It just depends. So I say um, adoption is a good thing because your kids turn out, they become yours, and then they turn out great. And when they do great things, we want to you know, yeah, that's my kid. We want to pat on the back. We want to pat ourselves on the back. So if we look at it from that perspective, instead of just all oh, these kids are damaged, then I think we can have a better outlook and, and a better chance of getting homes for these older ones. Everybody loves the little ones, but they come with trauma and issues and stuff too. But the big ones are seen like the ones that linger in the system. But I ran across some great 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 kids I mean they driven they got drive you know they want something out of life and that's what you got to draw on what these children want and then just throw yourself in 
that into that. And once you watch them blossom, it's a great feeling. It's a great thing. It's just like God watching us blossom. We ain't all perfect either. He put up with us. So why couldn't we put up with him? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And I love how you were talking about like it, it when when the child's cussing you out, it's not them being mad at you. And oftentimes, at least in my experience, I found that it was a skill deficiency, right? That it was, I don't know how to talk about my feelings. And so all I have are these skills that I've used to survival. Mm -hmm. And they learned all their behaviors are learned. So if they were in a abusive situation, that's what they know. If they were in a home that cussed them out and call them all out, they name, that's what they know. So they're going to do it to you. It's kind of a defense mechanism. And it's our jobs to retrain their brains to say, hey, let's think of new words, kinder words, loving words. But if they weren't in that type of environment, then how do you expect them to give you that? So Totally. So hard. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add in a question before we wrap up, Alice, because I think one thing that's easy to hear is how simple things are broken down, right? Oh, you just talk to the child and love on them and just wait. But in reality, it can be hard for some people to not internalize yes. things, right? Like to feel like they're a bad parent or to feel like they did it wrong or this kid doesn't like me. Because in so many ways, as, as a parent of a biological child and or a parent of a child you're fostering or adopting, you have to learn the child and build their trust. And there's so much there to unpack. And oftentimes you're a parent and you're a friend, but you're also a mentor and you're also a counselor. And so I'm curious if you have any tips of how to not internalize some of that, that feedback, the, the negative feedback the kid might give oh, you. Oh, it took me to learn the process because I did internalize the, the negative and it hurts. You know, when they say stuff like, you're not my mom, you know, that kind of dagger in the heart and you be like, well, I took care of you all this time, you know, so how dare you say that to me? <laughs> so it's not something I would say is easy. Adoption is not easy to me. Fostering is not even it easy, but fostering, they might reunify. Adoption, they're yours forever. So you might hear those words, you know, more than one time. So what I did was just step back and I went and vented to friends. I never vented to the child. I went and vented to friends and that's how I got my anger and my part off. And then, you know, come back to the child as they know me not going off on them, not, you know, reacting, basically. But that's a self-talk thing. You have to learn it. That's not going to come easy. So I wouldn't say it is easy. It's not easy to do that. It'd take you a couple of times. I'm going to say more than 10 to get that right. Which is interesting because for me and my family, <laughs> you've been that person, right? That I don't have to go to my kids and vent about what happened, I can come to you. And so it's neat to see you play that role full circle that you found those people for you. And you've, you've been one of those people for my family. And Alice, this has just been so good. I, I know there's a lot of good nuggets for people. You, you gave some fortune cookies away too. And I love that. And I just appreciate you willing to share and for all that you've done for so many children over so many years, Alice, you're such an inspiration. And I'm so thankful to have you on the show. So thank, thank you. you. As a listener of the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast, you are helping raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 120,000 children who are waiting for a forever family. 
You can also help raise awareness by leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, talking about, and liking this podcast. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling set through the foster care system, visit my website, ForgottenAdoptionOption.com. There you will find out how to get started, and you can even order a copy of my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which will guide you through the entire process, and it is available in paperback, audio, and ebook. I welcome you to reach out with questions, comments, and your own story. I would love to hear if you're signing up for training or where you are in the adoption process. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search for Marcy Bursack. Thank you for tuning in, caring, and sharing, because every child deserves a family.